I'm Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. So thank you so much for joining the show today. I'm happy to have you. I, I just uh, read your book. It was awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell me why stories are so important in your life. I think stories are important because stories are the way that we make sense of ourselves and of the world around us. Um, you know, I think that when we hear somebody else's story, we see aspects of ourselves in the story. Um, and I think sometimes we understand ourselves better by telling somebody else a story about what's happening in our own lives. Yeah, that's so true. So tell me about your new book. Maybe you should talk to someone. I love the title, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, maybe you should talk to someone is uh, taking people inside the therapy room where I work as a clinician. And we follow the stories of four very different people. And then there's a, there's a fifth patient, and that fifth patient is me as we go inside the therapy room of my own therapist where I'm going through an upheaval in my own life. That's pretty brave of you to share that story. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, I, I started writing the stories of the people that I was seeing, and at a certain point I thought, you know, I was going through something at the same time too, and it almost felt disingenuous to, you know, have them be so vulnerable and then for me to be the clinician up on high and kind of hide my own vulnerability. And I felt it was really important to show that because people don't necessarily realize that, um, of course, they know that therapists are real people, but I don't know if they realize that our humanity is our greatest tool. That I, I say at the beginning of the book that, um, you know, my greatest credential is that I'm a card-carrying member of the human race meaning that. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think people want to go to a robot. Um, you know, I think that in order to grow, we have to connect with somebody else and, and a therapist really has to bring his or her humanity into that room. Yeah. And I, the, I think it takes special people to do what you do. I could not do what you do, but it is a gift. And, and I think, you sharing that part of yourself has made you even more relatable. So in your opinion, what does it mean to be human in today's world where all this technology seems to be taking over? I'm so glad you asked that because there's a chapter in the book called The Speed of Want. And it has to do with um, a supervisor who had said to me during a group of us were sitting around during our internship, kind of rushing through life. And, and she said, you know, the speed of light is outdated. Now everybody moves at the speed of want. And, and it has to do with the fact that we don't, we don't take the time to sit face to face with people anymore, to really listen to each other. Um, you know, we like something on Facebook, but we don't sit down for an hour and have coffee with them. Um, and, and I think we're, we're losing out on something that's so vital to our mental health, which is um, being in the same physical space with somebody, spending some time with them. Um, you know, I think technology makes us feel like we're connected, but it's almost an illusion. And I think it also 
prevents us from sitting with ourselves. Like, you know, people get into an elevator and the first thing they do is whip out their phone or, you know, in the space between things, we, we can't almost tolerate sitting with our own thoughts, but that's really healthy to be able to say, to check in with yourself and hear your own thoughts, um, as opposed to distracting ourselves with something pinging or dinging or beeping all the time. I totally agree with you. And, and I somewhat feel like we always numb out when things get tough. Um, you know, whether it's television, food, alcohol, whatever our drug of choice is, um, we do numb out. And, and I, I felt refreshed by your perspective in, and I believe the one thing we were all born to do was connect with other human beings. And I, I think you bring that up several times in, in the stories and how you tell them. Um, so thank you for that. Now, what do you hope that your readers get from this book? Is it to put down the technology and go and knock on your neighbor's door and say hello? Look, I'm not anti-technology. Um, you know, I think that there are so many benefits to technology, but I think that sometimes the way that we use it um, is exactly what you said. It's a way to numb out. Um, it's a, a colleague of mine calls the internet the most effective short-term non-prescription painkiller out there. <laughs> and I, I, right. I, I love that because it's, it's right on point. Um, that's what we do. We numb out with technology um, and so I think that, that what we need to do is be more intentional about how we use it and be more intentional about how we're spending our time. I don't think people realize how little time they spend connecting with other people and how much time they spend kind of clicking around mindlessly, um, you know, on the Internet. And also, don't you feel that people, some people out there tend to use the social media platforms as a way of connection, which is they throw ump on in their in their feed. And as I, I even saw something this morning, I, I didn't even know how to handle that about the loss of her mother. And she was just pouring her heart out. And I felt like I was sort of came across the feed that I, I, I thought that was too intimate to share. And I didn't know what to do with it. I'm glad that people feel like they can talk about these kinds of things, but I also feel like it shouldn't be a replacement for having these real conversations in real life. And one of the things that I, I hope people get from the book is what those conversations look like and how rich they are. People often say to me about being a therapist, well, you know, how can you go through your days and listen to people's problems all day? And that's not at all what therapy is. Um, you know, I think therapy is this really rich experience of two people connecting in a room and, you know, there are beautiful moments and funny moments and poignant moments. And we can get that outside of therapy too, if we connect in real life. But I think in the book, I'm modeling for people, um, you know, I'm showing them, Hey, this is, I, this is sort of a forgotten art, you know, right. how to, how to have a conversation, um, how to, how to be in conversation with another person that you care about. Well, and it's it has a social aspect to it as well. You know, my history, 17 years in hospice care, you have someone facing end of life, but you send a team of people, five people into this elderly's home and suddenly they get better because of the socialization and the connection. It's it's amazing to see that. Right. One of the people that I write about in the book is this woman who's about to turn 70, and she's so isolated. She, her adult children won't talk to her. She's estranged from them, or they're estranged from her, I should say. 
Um, and, you know, she's had some marriages that didn't work out and she's absolutely isolated. And interestingly, you know, we don't solve her problems in the therapy, but we do connect her to the world again. And in that way, it creates a whole new life for her that we, you know, she, she, she connects with other people. She, and, and in connecting with other people in finding love again, in, um, finding friendships, in connecting with her neighbors, in having these really important relationships with the kids who live next door, she is then able to try to reconnect with her own children. Um, you know, that's how important being connected in the world is. That's amazing. And, and so through this book, what have you discovered when it comes to define living well um, in today's world? What, what is that to you? And maybe your experience even writing this book and spending time with your, you know, people you are in session with, what have you learned about living well? One of the things that every single person in the book goes through is this question of, you know, sort of these existential questions of how do I love and be loved? And what do I do with regret? And what do I do with grief? And what do I do with the things that I can't change that are painful? Um, and I think we all have to find our way with those questions. Um, some of it is circumstantial, you know, what's going on in the outside world or what happened in someone's life, you know, what kind of loss they've, they've experienced. But some of it, too, is our response to that loss, our response to whatever has happened. And a lot of times we don't realize it, but what the therapist will do is hold up a mirror to you and help you to see your reflection in a new way so that you can say, oh, this is how I'm shooting myself in the foot over and over and ending up in the same place. And I'm doing this in multiple situations. So it's really about saying, what, what can you do? How, what choices do you have that you're not seeing? My own therapist told me about this great cartoon, which uh, was, um, he described it as it was of this prisoner shaking the bars, desperately trying to get out. But on the right and the left, the bars are open. There's nothing there. And I think so many times we can't see that. And therapy, I think, is about helping you to see that opening that, you know, you're, you're fighting against the, the bars, the trap that you feel like you're in. But what choices do you have? What freedoms do you have? Man, I like you. Will you be my therapist? Oh, wow. I mean, you. <laughs> well, that I learned from my own therapist. And it was funny because so many times I would drive from his office to my office and then <laughs> for the next five hours, I would say something that was really impactful for me to my own patients. Now, just out of curiosity, I mean, it is different for you therapists who are in therapy. Um, you know, you're just as human as us. And sometimes is it easier to help others with putting up that mirror versus seeing your own reflection in your own personal therapist office? It's so much easier. <laughs> we have the vantage point as a therapist of being outside of our patient's lives. So we, we're not so close that we can't see it. It's almost like on the Google Maps. You know, sometimes if you zoom in too closely, you can't see where you're going. But if you zoom out a little bit, all of a sudden the direction becomes clear. And the same thing is true with humans, that if you are zoomed in so close that you, you know, you lose perspective, you can't see any of the roads, you can't see anything. But if you zoom out a little bit, it becomes a lot more clear and the path and the route that you're going to take becomes so much more clear. 
Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that, yes, I, I totally hear you on that. And I, and I really do appreciate your honesty. What's really interesting over the last couple of years as, you know, I don't have television, I have streaming and I, I barely watch that, but you know, what people are talking about are shows that are all about connection, like some NBC shows, This Is Us. And what I found interesting is that your book is being adapted for television. What in the world? I mean, this is awesome. It is. And I should say This Is Us is the show that I watch. Um, I love that show. Oh, really? Um, because it's, it's, all about, it's all about connections and, um, and, you know, the different ways in which the sto- you know, people's stories are, are interwoven in a family into everyone else's story. And we're not these discrete beings. Um, and I think with my show, with the show for Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, um, it's being adapted for television uh, by Eva Longoria's company. And we want to do something similar, which is we really want to show how how each character's life is in conversation with the other character's life, uh, lives. And, um, and I think to show real life. You know, it's a show about a therapist, but it's not really about therapy, right? It's about a show about someone who happens to be a therapist. Yeah, exactly. um, And I think there's a big difference between the way the media has portrayed therapists and saying we happened, this person happens to be a therapist. Like on another show, the person might be, you know, a lawyer or an architect or you know whatever they are. Yeah. Um, this person's a therapist um, and and a real person. And we really want to show real stories of real people. What's exciting to me, you know, my background is in film and television, and and yet I just happened to you know fall into this whole death and dying thing for seventeen years with the loss of a boyfriend. But what's interesting is I am so proud that people like you are becoming part of this bigger venue to share the daily stories that, I mean, have, I mean, the people that on their deathbed has changed how I live and plan to die. And I'm, I'm sure you feel very similar. So I'm so grateful that, that your stories will be told. Um, and I'm really excited about television for that very instant. Yeah. I think that, I think that TV, um, you know, helps just like with the book. I think anytime you put something out there like this, that it helps to normalize real life. It helps to normalize people's struggles. I think so many of us feel isolated in our circumstances because what they see is, as we were talking about earlier, Instagram and Facebook and, and everyone knows intellectually that people are posting, you know, they're choosing very specifically what they want to post. Um, but I think it's one thing when you're bombarded with these images to know it intellectually and another thing to, to really, you know, be able to to feel it more viscerally that, oh, other people are going through something similar to what I'm going through. And, you know, I really hope the book does that, that, you know, it normalizes that for people. Um, and even talking about death, you know, as, as you were just saying, that, that, you know, there's a story in the book about um, a woman who just got married and she comes back from her honeymoon and she finds out that she has cancer. And eventually, it, it, it first it seems treatable and, and, then, it, and then it becomes an untreatable form of cancer. And um, she asked me if I'll stay with her until she dies. And I hadn't had that kind of experience of really looking death in the eye and not being like, oh, those experimental treatments might work, but really saying, you know, let's sit with what is. Um, and and it was, it was, I think, such an eye-opening experience um, and such a rich experience for both of us. And I hope that that people will start talking about the things that we tend not to talk about, death, sex, 
um, you know, um, depression, vulnerability, vulnerability, shame, yes. yeah, um, because they can see that oh, this is just what most people deal with. It's so true. And and the funny thing is, you know, I'm on this live well, die well tour across the United States to drive into 49 states. And, and what I'm finding is there's connection even in loss. Um, I mean, when you share your stories, something intimate, magical happens. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. Now, this television series, are you going to base it off of your um, people that you know or is this what how's this how are you going to get the stories is this from the inside of your therapist uh, room I think that my experiences will inform the show but the show is going to be fiction I'm really looking forward to seeing it um so tell me how how do you live boldly in your life I think one way is to talk about you in therapy as a therapist I think that's really brave and I think that's awesome um, but how, what are other ways that you find yourself living boldly? One of the things that happened when I was treating Julie, the patient I was telling you about who was dying of cancer, was she made this comment one day that really struck me, which was she was talking about how everyone plans for the future, that she was noticing this all of a sudden, which is, you know, in three years, I'm going to, you know, try to apply for another job. In, you know, in two years, we're going to, you know, have a baby or, you know, whatever it is. Um and, you know, everything was, you know, I'm going to reconcile with my sibling, maybe, you know, in a few years or whatever. Um, and she was saying, what are people waiting for? You, you shouldn't need a terminal diagnosis to do the things that you want to do. And why wait? And so I think she made me really think about when you talk about living boldly, I think it's about when I wake up every day, am I spending my time because I know that it's limited and I think it's good to have an awareness now not that I didn't know that I would die one day, but I think it's, you know, I'm now at middle age and then going through this experience with Julie, I think it's much more clear that we don't know how much time we have and that we really need to be intentional about how are we spending it. Yeah. I, there was this great saying that I love, which is some, it's something going to butcher it, but it's something like time is the coin of life. Spend it well. Mm. And, and I love that because um, I think part of living boldly is about spending that coin well. Oh, wow. That's a great saying. And you know, I, there's a saying too about time that I've learned at the bedside of the dying. It says that time is not measured in length, it's measured in depth. Mm. And that's another, yeah, another kind of way that they expose me is, are you present in, in front of someone and are you giving them everything you've got? And, and that's what I, I tend to, to kind of base what, what I'm doing. Um, look, how do people find you? How do people find your book where I would love to introduce um, my followers and listeners to even the possibility of uh, your television show? Tell us when that's going to possibly air um, and, and tell us how do we connect with you? Sure. So they can connect with me um, on my website, which is lauriegottlieb.com. They can connect with me on Twitter, which is at lauriegottlieb one. Um, I'm also on Facebook um, at Gottlieb Lori, and uh, I have an Instagram account that I haven't used, but <laughs> but uh, but it's there under Lori Gottlieb underscore author. I think I have one post. Oh, bless yourself. <laughs> um, it's about the television show, um, but. Um, so they can find me there and they can find my book. Um, maybe you should talk to someone on Amazon or an independent bookseller. Everywhere books are sold. It's at Costco. It's at Walmart. Um, anywhere you buy books, you can find it. And uh, when is, is the television series possibly coming out this fall? 
No, not this fall. It's in development right now. Awesome. Well, we're going to send you great thoughts. And I'm I'm really hoping this uh, show comes because I think it'd be an, inter- an interesting perspective. And actually... You know, going to therapy is is not a bad thing. It's a really great thing. It's it's a reflection of self help, but also um, just looking at your own reflection and having someone outside of your life kind of help you see it from a little bit higher altitude, like you said earlier. I can't tell you. I know you're a busy lady. Thank you so much for your time. This um, is amazing. Um, I will promote your book, and and I will definitely. Um, you know, I, I'm really considering maybe even using you as a therapist because I really, really like you uh, and, and then you're in your viewpoint in life. So thanks for being you. Right. Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work that you're doing. I really appreciate that. Oh, ditto, ditto. And thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.